Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95-mile-an-hour bowling, England-playing, World Cup-winning, Northumberland-hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley. We've been away, but we're back. And I'm back with a man who is the goose to my maverick. Yes, Ben Paul is with us to discuss all the things going on at Old Trafford over the past week and looking ahead to this week. Ben, hello. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um, watching an exceptional amount of football. Um, I don't care where it comes from. If it's on, I'm watching it. Um but thanks for the Goose Maverick thing. I was thinking Dumb and Dumber. I was thinking, um, I don't know, Sapphire and st- Sapphire to your steel. But I'd, I'd go with Goose and Maverick. Obviously, Goose died, um, which was, yeah. spoiler alert. Which brings me to my next point. Um, I've been a bit sick lately. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Nothing um, to do with um, the results at Old Trafford in terms of the Glazers and their press releases. I'm sick to the... I'm sick to the... Is it still? Is it the back teeth, hind teeth, back teeth? Oh God! But we haven't even broached that really fully on our on the podcast, uh, apart from the emergency one that you had. Well, we can talk about that today. I mean, let's we can talk a bit. Get the football out of the way. And yeah. Aston Villa, um, what sounds like and reads like a comprehensive three-one victory yesterday. Um, what were your impressions of of the game? Game well, game of two halves. I mean, it's, 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 that's that's the easiest quote of the lot, isn't it? It's a game of two halves. It's amazing. I want to be in the dressing room for Ollie's halftime talks because it's not just this game. It's our tenth game that we've come back um, with a victory, having been having fallen behind. It's thirty-one points. It's confusing, I know, but it's thirty-one points we clawed back from a losing position. 
he's got to have an element of the Fergie because the difference between that first team, that first performance and the, and the, and the, and the second half performance was remarkable. Um, we could go into individuals who, who turned up the heat, but I've got to hand it to him because he did it against Roma. He had all the pundits sitting there at halftime saying, he's got to take Fred and McTominay off. You know, he's got to do one of them. He's got, he's got to kind of like shore up that midfield, get a creative in there. I don't know why I'm doing it in a Scottish <laughs> accent. That's a brilliantly Rio Ferdinand impression. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he didn't. He stuck by his guns again. He kept McFred on. And they were a different team. Even though they were they were a different team second half. I'd love to see. I'd, I'd love to hear what he said. Um, I, think I think you're right. I think they imposed themselves in the, in the second half. Because, you know, they had a lot of possession... They had a lot of attacking ability. They started off the game brightly, but things weren't landing on in the box properly for them. And that was definitely missing. I mean, the goal we conceded between Fred McTominay and Lindorf, it probably showed up all their weaknesses. You know, Fred and McTominay lose the ball in the bad area. Um, Lindelof was pretty weak on the turn from Traore. Fantastic finish. He wouldn't do that 19... It's like one, one in 20 attempts, I think, that would have gone in. But... Um, it just highlighted a few of the issues that we have with Fred McTominay and Lindelof. We're all in that one goal, I thought. They, absolutely. Um, they lost possession on the edge of the area. Even still, you'd imagine you'd, you'd put your you know your bank balance on Lindelof clearing that. It was weak, to say the least. Who was who was the, supposed to be the you know the anchor man out of uh, Fred and McTominay? Because I always thought it was Fred. But he didn't do it then. Um, I would see McTominay as having more of an attacking flair. But it kind of fell between two stools when they lost possession at the end of the, of the corner of the box. They were, they were pretty much bossed by your favourite, your, your man, McGinn. Um, I'm a big fan of John McGinn. And that Douglas Louise. But you have been, you've been a fan of John... Fergie. Fergie was a big fan of John McGinn, Fergie wasn't he? a big fan of John McGinn um, and suggested United sign him when they got promoted from the Championship. He started off his first season in the Premier League very well and then broke his leg. Uh, so since he's come back, which is nearly a year ago now, I think he came back in lockdown, um, he hasn't really got the goal-scoring form that he had before he broke his leg. So it might take him well to get back to full fitness. But I'm a fan of McGinn. I like McGinn. Um, I think um, he's doing great for Scotland. He'll probably have a good Euros. Uh, how much do you think... What do you think... How much do you think they were missing Grealish? How big an influence on the game... Do you think they he would have had? Miss, you know, they massively miss Grealish because of what he can do in terms of keeping the ball and, you know, keeping attacks going. And he doesn't get flustered in the final third. His, his decision-making is, is excellent. And um, he can carry the ball and get them up the pitch. So from that point of view, you know, I'm glad Grealish wasn't playing. And from that point of view is why I still think um, it'd be great at Old Trafford, Jack Grealish. We can come on to that later. And yesterday was was um, good, I thought, in terms of the second half. One thing I have noticed, I felt like that United's fitness is better. They can they go they can go. They don't seem to be fading physically in the last twenty minutes of games. I think that's improved that their fitness can keep going at, at, at really relentless levels, and I think that showed particularly in the second half. And I thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka was fantastic all game. You know what? The right. He he had a, one of the best games I've seen him play. He assisted Pogba in his uh, in the penalty. Um, he assisted the, um, the I think it was he gave, um, ball, he gave the ball to Greenwood for the second. He did. He gave the ball to Greenwood. I mean, Greenwood had it all to do, but still, that is progress. 
He's a brilliant ball stopper. Um, that that sliding tackle he made at the end, I can't remember who he was, he was sliding in on, but that was him at his best. But to add an attacking flair and to be able to release the ball in dangerous areas, I'm uh, I'm very happy with with AW. I've been very pleased with how confident he's looking in the final third the last few weeks. I think, you know, what you get out of Aaron Wambasaka is... You always get seven out of ten. He's never four out of ten, and he's never nine out of ten. But he's always seven out of ten for me. And in successful teams, you need players with that consistency of performance. And I think he's been incredibly impressive. Um, now Maguire got injured in the game um, in the second half, and it looks like we're waiting on scan results to find out how yeah. bad that might be. But mm. you no, know, if he's twisted his ankle, that could be a couple of weeks, which puts him in doubt for the Europa. Any longer than that, and he'll be in doubt for the Euros. But it's amazing that he's. We'll miss Maguire. I the stats are pretty are pretty cool with him. He's um, he's not missed a minute of a league game since he signed for us in August nineteen. That's seventy two league games in their entirety on the trot. If you measure that against the likes of Bayi, don't even talk to me about Phil Jones. But just about just Bayi. His, that has been remarkable. He's an ever-present. He's the captain. He will be missed, but there's no buts. He will be missed, and it, it, it's almost you want to see what we're like without him because he gets a lot. He gets a bad rap. He gets a lot of stick, probably because of his price tag. But he has been consistent, and he's a he's a damn good defender. He's one of our. I would say he's in our top five or six this year. But what you can hear when you know you watch the games without crowd effects is you can always hear Maguire shouting at them and cajoling them and moving them along, and that's something that is something we might miss um, if he's out for any great period of time. I think in an England point of view, for those interested in an England point of view, I don't think if Maguire if Maguire is injured and out of the Euros, I think Southgate will ref, will go back to a back three. Because I don't think he has the centre arse where he thinks he can play a four. That's my view. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on the internet for that and see how Maguire is. They've said uh, it could be weeks. They said it could be days. They said it could be weeks. Which I'm inclined to think. If he's twisted his ankle, that's that's ten days. Depends how bad it is. If there's ligament damage past that, it'll be. It could. I think it'll be touch and go if he if he can if he gets back before certainly in the Premier League. Um, if it's a, if it's a slight strain, but that's what scans are for, and and private healthcare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Cavani, I'm uh, you know Eddie Cavani. I am so in love with Eddie Cavani. I I am in love with his song. I kind of sing it all the time, just around the house. It cheers me up. It gets the endorphins going. It's a great use of an ABBA classic. Um, he came on, and I. I thought he scored a goal, which was frankly a work of art. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you see the movement, you see the movement that he, he ghosted in at the far post. You see, the ball was a peach of a ball, but it's, it, it was played to an area that you knew a world-class striker would be there to meet it. Marshall wouldn't have been there to meet it, unfortunately. No. Well, when you look at that run, right. And I looked at it last night again on, on match of the day too. He runs past Cash. At, he's running. He's, he, then, but then he accelerates into the space. So a lot of people like start their run and go as fast as they can first of all, and then stop. Yet his run built, and he accelerated into the space, and then had a choice of how he wanted to head it, 
and did a beautiful glance into the corner. And it just, it was the arrogance of it I loved. I mean, I love his arrogance on the pitch. I love the fact, you know, you know, in Roma, he came in to be Greenwood's dad and stopped the fight of when the Roma defenders were trying to have a go at Greenwood and Cavani comes rushing over and went, oh, get off my boy and stuff. Yeah, he, yeah. he was fantastic in, in, in you know, it, it was fantastic in Rome with the goals he scored. You know, he tried the lob again, a beautiful work of art. And then he got put through the next time and went, nah, forget that. I'm smashing it. And then he smashed it. His, I mean... I he, love him. I love him. I just I just love him. Yeah. You're familiar with the lyrics to the song, aren't you? Are you familiar with his chant? I am familiar with the chant. Yeah, good, good. Well, we uh, I was going to say sing it, but then I've heard your singing voice. Hey, I've been paid to sing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, you've also been paid not to sing. Uh, not, not, but that never reached me. That information never got to me. <laughs> Somebody else was making a few quid if that was the case. Um, <laughs> we're going to Gdansk because of Cavani's goals, really, in the semi final against Roma. Um, and that is give something. It, give it, give it to Eddie Cavani. Pass well, him the ball and we'll watch him score the goals. Not quite, you've got it quite right. Club, there. club, give, club give fashion. It, give, it, give it to Eddie Cavani. Pass him the ball and watch him score all the goals. Give it, give it, give it to Eddie Cavani. It's amazing. I love it. It's the best chance since you are my Solskjaer. Oh, really? I think it is the best chant since. One that we can actually sing nowadays because the other ones in between have been a little bit racist. I think Bruno, I'm a big fan of Bruno's. Bruno's? Oh, Portuguese Magnifico one? Yeah. yeah Bruno, Bruno, like Bruno. He comes to sporting like Christy. Well, the beauty of the Cavani chant is it takes a classic pop song and turns it into a football chant which isn't normally used as a football chant. That's, that's the thing musically. As a, as a as a professional singer, I can um, I can appreciate. I'll take your word for it. Um, so, well, Europe, European final, we're playing Villarreal in Gdansk. That is something to look forward to in two weeks' time, isn't it? Yeah. Are we being sponsored by whoever sponsors us at the moment to to fly us out there and um, and report on the game live podcast from the game? Because I, I I was under the impression that we were, and that I mean, the fact it, that people would want it. Shouldn't there be a surge on Twitter right now to send I, us out there? If the executive producer of this podcast, if I thought for one moment he was listening to it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would absolutely go, yes, but I'll do it without the quarantine. I mean, I'm not quarantining on the way back, even though I've effectively quarantined, quarantined for 14 months. You know, I, I wanted to make it as a pilgrimage to Lech Valencia. And um big fan of Lech Valencia. Yeah. He, he him on chat on John Craven's news round, he was on every other week in the <laughs> I've even fashioned unfortunately listeners can't see, but I've fashioned my moustache a la Valencia. Listeners, um, you're very fortunate you can't see it. I'm staring at it right now. <laughs> it, it, it does look like a dodgy hospital radio DJ. <laughs> I've actually, I said listeners in the plural then. Sorry, listener, whoever you are. I know, I know Paul from Houston and Richard G, the breakdancer, they do from they Cheadle. Do still listen from Cheadle. I know they're listening and I know that's two. So technically we can use the plural. Did you know Villa haven't beaten United at home since, 1990, since 1995 when I think that was when... Um, I did know that. It was 3-1 at home, opening day of the season. And you can't win anything with kids. You can't win anything with kids. David Beckham scored a consolation top corner, top right-hand corner. 
We wore the we wore the grey shirts. Yeah. I did know. You did know that. You did. Yeah, I did know that. Uh, I can't remember how many games that's been, but that's an awful forty-five games, I think. It is also. I mean, we've always had great success at Villa Park, and um, it's always a great ground to go to. And that's kind of a cliche, but it is true. And Villa haven't got much to play for at the moment um, in terms of their season safely secured in the top top half, middle of the table, which is a great improvement for them when they just escaped relegation last season. So, you know, it's a game we should win. Um, it's a game that stopped City from winning the title last night, which is which is a good thing. Which and- is a lovely thing. Although it's always great. When they when they win it without playing because it's such a a come down. It, yeah, it is a little bit. I mean, we've got um, a big week um, ahead. Really, um, tomorrow night we're playing Leicester. When I'm expecting him to rest a lot of players, what side would you pick against Leicester? I would feel a weakened team. I have to say, primarily because we want Leicester to get the fourth. We want Leicester to be in Europe next season. We don't want Liverpool to be in Europe next season. We've we've laughed about them not even making UEFA, but they could sneak in there. So it would it, look. I know we need three more points to be safe, but let that come against someone else. I would feel that if we can, you know, if we can not lose against them, field a weakened team. I would bring in Bailly. I'd bring in Axel. I'd bring in Donny. Um, I would genuinely save it for the Liverpool game. I mean, I think that's interesting because, like, with Leicester, I think before Friday night when they got beat by Newcastle 4-2, they may have rested a few on Tuesday night knowing that they've got the cup final on um, Saturday. But I think now, after that result on Friday, the opportunity to play United with potentially a weakened side, they need three points to really make it near nine possible for Liverpool or West Ham to break that fourth place. I'm expecting them to play a pretty full-strength team tomorrow night now. And Johnny Evans will be a massive miss if he's not fit to play for them. Um, and, and they'll get them back, get them into some kind of better rhythm ahead of the cup final at the weekend. United, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a completely different team. I wouldn't be surprised also with Maguire not fit that he goes to a back three and matches Leicester up. So the back three being Tuanzebe, Bailly and Shaw. Um, on the centre of the three, because the way the fullbacks performed in Rome in the second half, I'd be very worried about them in a four <laughs> after the way they played last week. De Gea back in goal, and that means you can play Matic, um, McTominay, because he didn't play last Thursday, and Van der Beek in midfield. Cavani could start, and then who's your choice up front, really? Um, maybe he'll go with Rashford because he didn't play last Thursday. I don't think Ollie's going to rest and bring the kids in completely. But saying that, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Alanga was on the bench and got 20 minutes um, tomorrow night. Or even, you know, I think I think James will have a go on the right. And I, think, I, I think he's doubtful, Ben. He's, I think he's got a bit of an injury, which why he hasn't made the bench the last couple of games. That's Otherwise, just a shame. Then, then it could be time for Ahmed Diallo to play. Yeah, it, it could be. Ahmed, I would be I would be surprised if he didn't get some kind of run out tomorrow night. Um if we go for a back three, if we if we go for a back three, could, what do you think about playing Brandon Williams? Because going forward, he's brilliant. I like him going forward. He's he's, he's, he's quick. Williams, and he's got a good cross on him. Williams would be the right wing back in the back three. Yeah, that's how I. That's how I might. Then that would match Leicester up. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. And actually, a point for both clubs tomorrow night isn't terrible. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not expecting too much. 
um, from the game tomorrow. And we'll talk a little bit more about next week in the second half, but come back and join us after the break when we'll talk a little bit more about um, Glazernomics and potential Glazer protests that are, that are coming up and rumoured to happen um, this week. Join us after these commercial messages. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley, and of course Ben Paul is still with us. Um, ben, again, we're going to see United at home. There's lots of rumours of protests. Um, again, might happen against the uh, Liverpool game on Thursday night. We've seen pictures online of United um, turning Old Trafford into a fortress with walls on the forecourt being, being built. Joel Glazer brought out his letter in response saying, listen, we're going to talk better, which is one of the first direct communications we've had from him in 16 years. And, of course, rumoured to be that the Hook Group um, pulled out of a £200 million deal for the training kit uh, this last week would be a mega blow to the finances, um, which is, I know, something the Glazers are worried about, that the sponsors get cold feet because of what's going on at the moment. How do, what's your take on what these, where these protests go uh, and what, what's going to happen? Look, I'm no Robert Peston. But I know, num- I, can, I, can, I know numbers and I can see black and white. And it's easy to see. What I don't get is how the country didn't unite behind the protesters at Old Trafford. How we had rival clubs calling us out. How we had rival managers calling the fans out. This surely isn't just a protest against the Glazers. This was a protest against the greed from the European Super League. It should have been backed by Liverpool and, and City etc. But it was amazing how many of my city supporting friends decided to you know, paint the picture of, of a degenerate United fans smashing up their own, their own stadium. I thought it was brave and I thought if we'd been, you know, I would love to have been there if I was uh, anywhere remotely close. It's something that you know, the figures speak for themselves. Glazers are greedy. It's been a this corporate takeover, we perhaps we were a bit naive at the time, but a leverage buyout has now revealed itself as being utterly contemptuous for the club. The fact that we were a debt-free club and now are in five, six hundred million pounds worth of debt, the fact that even in a commercially t- awful year where United lost 100, 120 million, they still took out 23 million pounds in dividends. The fact that They've taken out about a billion and a half from the club 
in loans, in interest fees, in penalties. And the fact that the le- the roof is leaking, it's like the church hall. There's no money to fix the roof. They're, it's greed and we are, it's about time we all stood up. And I'm so proud of the people that went there. And I mean, it seems to me that, you know, these these are going to, there's, there's a two-pronged attack going on in terms of what the protests are planning to achieve. You know, a protest like um, last Sunday gets media attention. They stop the biggest game in English football from happening. It's a loud, noisy, direct appeal, which will make everybody keep talking about it. The second attack is really through sponsors and boycotting the money that's coming into the club and not giving them money. Uh, but I think that's the way. I think they'll they'll try and the protests outside the ground. They'll try and wake those out and, and make us feel fatigued by it before we everybody gets bored or create fan divisions. Well, the sponsor boycott of money is where they'll get nervous. But of course, that will impact directly on the pitch. But I think we're talking. That's a short term thing versus a long term objective about what kind of club we want Manchester United to be. Um, what kind of what kind of owner do you want, Ben? Well, if you look at the list of demands, there were four demands put forward by the by Must, and the, in a, in a nutshell, it wants more involvement from the fans. There was a letter that went from the from the Red Knights, but it's 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 pointless. You know, if Jim O'Neill wanted to take the club over, he should have taken the club over, but it's pointless. And the and the Glazers were quite right to just dismiss it. It's the kind of club we want is not the kind of club that they're willing to deliver us. If we wanted to buy the club back, if we're looking at the 50 plus one model, their price tag of four billion is ridiculous. Um, if if they're willing to, to give the fans a proper voice in the club, then that's fine. But they've not been, and I doubt they would be. I don't I can't see many of the must demands being met. I can't see Glazers backing out unless it looks like they're really, as you say, going to be hit in the pocket. If they're going to be in the pocket and they go, one, is this really worth it anymore? Two, how can we improve the value of the club? Because that's kind of what their end game is. It's about the value of the club and that's combined with commercial value and also success on the pitch. Now they can say that, yeah, we gave you the money this year. We've given you the money to buy players, but we've done it badly. Well, if they'd admit that, we'd all agree with it. You've managed the football business terribly. You, the same stuff is coming out now about this summer, about buying a Haaland, a Kane, whoever, to kind of a marquee signing that was meant to appease to appease the fans. And that's in the end, it's about them treating us like mugs by thinking we're going to fall for it. And that's where, as fans, we need to say strong that a short-term gain for something like that is not in the long-term interests of what Manchester United Football Club should or could be about. It's... And that's the problem. The problem it takes is people to get onto the pitch and it's for them to write a letter to say we're going to fix the roof at the stadium. Well, if you really cared about the stadium, you'd have done it over the last 10 years. You'd have certainly done it over the last year when you had the time to improve it and do it because it wasn't being used. So the fact that it takes all these actions on our part to bring about their words, we have to be incredibly sceptical about it because until we see proper actions being taken by the Glazers, their words don't mean anything. Agreed. 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 Money has to talk. As a United fan, we've had money, but we, but as you say, the, 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 it's been run pretty poorly. What I did really hate about all of this is that we are still a club in massive debt when we weren't beforehand, and they've milked us. 
that's what is hitting me and it's what it's what hitting, hits it hits all of us i think at the bottom the bottom line is that we're still 560 million pounds in debt and we're servicing loans of up to 16 20% interest the money that's going out to service these high interest loans is criminal well, Joel Glazer has said that he will pay directly for the fans that fines that are imposed on United because of the Super League. The thing is, Joel, that's our money. <laughs> your <laughs> your yeah. money comes from us. It's our money. Mm. That's that's the thing. You know, we can talk about corporate leverage buyouts and the principles of them, perhaps on another podcast. Well, that's how the high street has worked in twenty in, in the last 20, 20 years ago. And it's definitely not worked out for the high street recently, corporate leverage buyout. Exactly. Exactly. That's become a societal thing about why is that allowed to happen in the first place? And that's why everybody should be behind us because the reason that it's, it's all part of the same thing, you know, the glazers and the protests against them are standard bearers for not letting billionaires think they can get away with anything and exactly and that's the thing we have to all unite around which uh, is why i was really surprised that they weren't i was really surprised why other premier league clubs and their fans and their managers turned against us for that i mean it, it's and then you talk about what kind of owner do we want and and with the high value of the club you know what can it be but i've been thinking about this a lot and it's something that's happening in the corporate industry quite a bit is that people want not profits at any any cost they want they're talking about profits with purpose now they're talking about um running organizations with a societal purpose now the cynic in me says well you do that so we can get away with this but if united has got incredible potential to be a, a fantastic philanthropic organization for someone that could do a lot of good around the world because the club on the pitch kind of pays for itself right and would pay for itself but pleading for someone like that to take charge, I know, uh, is, is a tough thing. But, uh, you know, Melinda Gates would be a fantastic way to get back at Bill because I think he's a Liverpool fan. So, you know, op- we'll get rid of Operation, we'll move Operation Mick Hucknall that I talked about month, months ago for Jeff Bezos <laughs> and move on to Operation <laughs> Melinda Gates <with laughs> and try and woo her in a similar way. I mean, I think this week I expect to see more protests There'll be a um, maybe not tomorrow night against Leicester, um, but you know the, the men in black have said that we decide when you play. There'll be plans in place for Liverpool, no doubt, on Thursday night, and I'm sure something will happen. Um, and that's a kind of watch this space thing, really. And interesting again over the summer about what impact that will have on the team spend because there is definite progress with Ollie. We can all see it on the pitch. We can see it on in in the league tables. Um, you know, he's only lost four league games this season, three of which were in the first, were the beginning of the season when we were knackered and not ready for it. So it we're, we're so close. I mean, how do you think the summer transfer window is going to go, Ben, with, with this in mind and, and how that might impact on players like Greenwood? Well, two points there. One is that I've had long chats with a lot of my City mates because, you know, Manchester does have a few of them. And they say if Pep was in charge at United, we would have won the league. That's a different story. But that's interesting. It's an interesting thought, especially coming from City fans. The second thing, as far as our marquee signings go, I keep changing my mind. Because when I see Greenwood in action as, a, as an out-and-out number nine, or in these, drifting into those positions, I kind of think we do not want to stop this guy's progress. I don't fancy him on the right. I fancy him up front. That's where he should be. 
And I then I see Eddie in in action, and I think he's the finished product. He's he's you know he's an artist. That's who should be in the team right now. But you know the the, the master and the apprentice. So as far as marquee signings go in the summer, I'm I'm up for Harry Kane to be honest because he's 27, so he's got five years left, absolutely at top, and that'll be enough time for for Mason to learn from him, to blend in with him, possibly even play alongside him, but alternate and to learn a lot from him. It wouldn't be excluding him. If we got Haaland, then you're looking at Mason on the right. And that I'm not sure about. It's interesting, isn't it? But I think there's a lot of talk coming out of the club at the moment. And all these press conferences are saying, you know, maybe Mason could be on the right. And the local paper today has said, oh, they don't see Sancho as a priority anymore because they believe in Mason on the right. I think this comes from what we what happens to Eddie Cavani. And Cavani is rumoured, is now very, very likely to stay for another year. But he isn't going to agree to stay if there's a marquee centre-forward coming on in Harry Kane or Haaland. I can't believe he'd agree to stay if he was going to kind of be second fiddle. Um that's that's the thing that confuses me about what the plans really are up front. Now, for me, if Cavani does stay, then I think you're nurturing, as you say, Greenwood for number nine, and he can play right when he needs to be. But that's why I think Sancho is so important. I'm a proper out-and-out right winger. And what people forget about Sancho is that he can play left wing, he can play right wing, he can play number 10. You're getting three players for one, and you're not losing any quality. Uh, you're not having a drop down in quality from Rashford or Greenwood in those positions, as you do from James or Matter being in those positions. It's, it's funny. He's important. And right now what's happening, I think it's a bit of a press battle because where can Sancho go? So Dortmund want the most price for him, obviously, but where can he go? If United are the only people seriously interested in it, Dortmund are going to try and keep the price high by bringing people in. And United are going to say, well, we're not really that interested in him, actually. As, hence, as the negotiation. Hence, right? uh, hence, enter the Liverpool PR, well, hence Liverpool into the equation. Suddenly, the back pages are talking about Salah perhaps leaving and um, and Sancho taking out, taking his place at Liverpool. That's the only way they can afford him if they lose Salah or Mane. Yeah, which obviously riles United and United think, well, and you know what? Let's double our let's double our efforts to get Sancho because we're not letting we're not going to lose him to Liverpool because trust Arlarki will be amazing at Liverpool. Now. I admit, I've been Haaland all season. You've been Sancho all season. I'm bending towards Sancho because of Greenwood and Greenwood as our potential number nine. And I think to have Rashford, Greenwood and Sancho as our top three, our front three, is mouthwatering with Bruno behind them. I love Mason and I don't want anything to scupper that. I think Sancho could be a good bet. Um, I also think Kane. The, the funny thing is, if we have a brilliant season next year, if if Sancho does come in and we just coast it next year, next year, which who knows could happen, especially if we bring in a couple of other world class players, then it could be that Haaland a year later, once his re- release clause kicks in, goes. Do you know what? I quite fancy at United. I quite fancy hooking up with with Sancho. I think that's all very interesting. There were just so many permutations. You know, Will Pogba leave again on a second free transfer. What's going to happen to the likes of Matter at the end of his contract? Matic, Van der Beek, you know, Lingard, how much can we get for him? De Gea, Henderson, who's going to stay and go? 
Uh, Phil Jones, get him off the books. What's going to happen to him? There's so many permutations on the football side of things this summer, which could increase a pot or not, that leads me to believe that, well, it's all very, it's a lot of grey areas right now, Ben. You're just talking about my hair. Well, I was looking at myself, to be honest. Yeah, there are a lot of grey areas. I can't believe Pog, if Pogba doesn't sign this year, he'll be off, has to. Um, and then you bring your man uh, Grealish in. There are so many connotations. Uh, you know, centre-halves, we'll see what Pau Torres is like when we play Villarreal in the final. He could be he could, he'd be on a snip, 34 million for, for the likes of him. Quick, but he's not physical. He's, he's not, he's not domi- a physical dominant character, but he's great on the ball and he is fast. Um, well, part of you goes against Villarreal whether he could play himself out of a move when he gets taken apart by someone, you know? And you go, well, we're not signing him now. That, like we did with Up, Up Meccano. He was roasted by Greenwood, I think, and we, that was our interest lost in him. Um, I was never much into him. I thought he was too rash and a, and a bit running around on the ball, a bit carelessly too much. I wasn't a massive fan. Koulibaly of Napoli... Um, apparently his price has dropped quite significantly. And again, you want someone who can walk straight into a first 11 experienced. Um, isn't again, he about 30? He's about 34 though, isn't he? No, he's 28, 29. You, but that's kind of where we're at. You need players who are going to come into the first 11 now and, and win the league. I think, I think that's where we're at. I think we're that close. We get these Declan Rice is an obvious one for me in central midfield because you know, I think he can do the job of Fred and McTominay on his own. Um, so I'd be definitely trying to move for him. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, lot of permutations to go on. Well, that's all, that's all, all going to happen. But no matter how long we keep, uh, we keep talking about it. Should we look ahead to this week? Yes. 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 Tomorrow night, Liverpool, um, two games in the Premier League with a lot at stake. How do you see those two games going? I think, um, as we discussed earlier, a slightly weakened team against Leicester, but I can't see us losing it. Liverpool, it just depends which team turns up. I would absolutely, it would be amazing because we're going to be playing two games before City play their next game. So if we won both of them, we're four points behind them, but they've got a game in hand. They've got, they play Newcastle on Friday night. So imagine we're, you know, obviously it's dreams, but four points behind them if we win the next two games. Anything can happen. We know Pep's a bottler. Just imagine. But the but both those I think Liverpool depends on which team which Liverpool turns up. It's gonna be nil-nil, it always is. I think I'm not sure Liverpool can afford it to be a nil-nil. I think United will play what is their full strength team against Liverpool as best they can. Tomorrow will be a rested team. I think that'll be nil-nil or one-one tomorrow night. I don't. I don't think it'll be um, one to write home about. But Liverpool and United will probably go at each other. I think. I, I, I think they'll go at each other on Thursday night if indeed that get that, that game gets played at all. Um, <laughs> that's going to be the interesting thing. Uh, how much those protests um, go up a notch or not on Thursday night? That's how I think it's going to go. Um, ben, big week. Um, next week, we'll talk about our player of the year and our team of the year, I think, as we go into the final week of the season. But thanks for thanks for talking to me about all things United this week. Thanks for hosting this podcast and uh, talking all things United, Chris. Thank you, Goose. Uh, fly well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thanks for listening. <laughs> You've been listening to the Manchester United Redcast. We'll hear from you next time. Come on, you Reds. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.